In today's show, I'm going to be talking about third-year players. Who's ready for a breakout? Let's find out. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. We're going to open next week, hopefully, fingers crossed. Assuming the NBA schedule is out in full, we should be ready to open Basketball Monster next week. Get ready. Also, I am the lead analyst at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. We are here. We are ready to talk third-year players. Yesterday, I did fourth-year players, so go check that video out. A lot of people, or a few people, were questioning, hey, where's Michael Porter Jr.? He's in this video because he didn't play at all in his first season. So to me, I'm just counting this as his third year. It really doesn't matter if he's in his fourth year, if he's in his third year, whatever it is, he's here. We're going to talk about him in today's video. Let's go to talk about the first guy that I want to speak about in the... um, In the list of guys who are heading into their third NBA season, and let's talk Zion Williamson. Zion um, showed some really big steps forward last year, especially when the ball got put into his hands more. We saw him uh, increase his playmaking. Now, he's still got considerable problems in terms of a lack of defensive stats, a lack of three-pointers, but his efficiency is unbelievable. I think his usage is going to be a little bit higher this year. He had a 30% usage last year with a 65 true shooting. I think that their usage can go up. He played 33 minutes. He was 20th in points leagues. He was 48th in category leagues. Do not be surprised to see him as a top 10 points league guy and a top 30 category league guy. And in a punt free throw scenario, which is really what drags him down, he's probably a top 20 player. In fact, I think Zion in category leagues is probably going to be probably going to be a a second-round draft player. I think it's worth noting that when I, I've done my projections, I've done two passes of all my projections of Basketball Monster. We'll go through and continually edit them. But there are more, more third-year players that I have projected inside the top 200 than I have fourth-year players. Some of that is a level of optimism about guys in their third year, which is generally the time when players take the biggest leap. You get some third to fourth year leaps as well. You get first to second, but second to third is when a lot of big stuff tends to happen. And there are a lot of rotation players from that 2019 draft as well. Um, 2019, 2019 draft that we need to you know, pay attention to. So Zion, while he's been excellent, I think he takes another step forward. I think we get incremental improvements in free throws, a little bit more usage, more playmaking as well, and some really big steps forward I think could be coming. For Zion Williamson, and again, as a punt free throw guy, you're looking at a player who is going to be a second round guy. Yeah, almost definitely, and probably a first round points league player would be my guess for this upcoming season. Let's talk about Maga Porter Jr., who last year was really pretty good. 43rd ranked player in category leagues for Porter, 65th in points leagues. So a little bit of a discrepancy between his performance in those two formats. He only played 31 minutes a night and only had a 21% usage. Those two things should really stand out. The 66 true shooting absolutely stands out as well. So while I can say minutes might go up, they probably will. Category rank will increase. Points rank will probably increase. Usage will probably increase. That 66 true shooting, there is there is a risk that that does, um, that does fall off. I think that's... Um, 
I think that's a legitimate concern because he was hitting his threes at like an absolutely insane rate. Like I think it was like 44% or 45%, which is going to have, it's going to have an impact if that does fall off you are going to see you know, some of his value really fall away. But there is no Jamal Murray for the bulk of this season. So Porter's usage, he's going to have to be that guy. Will Barton will take some of that on, a healthy Will Barton. But Porter is going to have to take a big step forward. And I think he is a borderline third-round player, maybe a second-round guy in category leagues. He becomes a top 50 points league guy. I think those minutes increase. I think the usage increase while we also probably get a level of decrease in the true shooting. It might not be huge amounts, but yeah, 45% threes are a hard thing to um, expect long-term. Like we can hope for it, but it's hard to expect it. Let's go to Cleveland now. Darius Garland. I'm really excited what Garland's going to do. His first year was fairly poor, coming off knee surgery um, and some poor coaching. And then last year, he started off well and really, really ended the season on a hot streak. 84th in category leagues, 78th in points leagues. The minutes are 33. Like he played what he played. I don't think much is changing there. The 26 usage, not sure much will change there. What I really want to, really want to look at heading into third season, true shooting, under 55%. That is where the big improvement can come. He's already a good free throw guy, but his two-point shooting, his three-point shooting, I think can take big steps forward. I think he can be a 20-point per game guy potentially. I think his assist could hit to seven. Steal rate's going to swing 20 spots. If he gets to like 1.5 steals, then he's a real, real steal type, uh, not steals guy, but he's a real steal ADP. We don't know where ADP is going to fall. I think the top 50 is a legitimate opportunity for him to get into that zone for Garland. Again, heading into the third year, you expect big steps forward. He's got a more fantasy-friendly game than, say, the Padawan Colin Sexton because of his ability to get assists and he can get some steals. And he shoots higher volume three-pointers as well, which is important for overall fantasy value. So I'm really excited to see what Garland... Now, he was a popular pick for me as a last-round pick last year. He's not going to be available there. But I also think that at this point, he's going to come in at a value um, in terms of ADPs and ranks lower than what I anticipate. So therefore, I'll probably be getting him in quite a few leagues for this upcoming season. If you get nervous about getting your guy, though, and you start sweating... Sweat block. Maybe that's the answer for your mock draft and fantasy draft problems. Sweat block is stronger and more effective than clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it, get the sweat block wipes, apply it at night before you go to bed. You go to bed, you wake up in the next morning, you have a wash, hopefully, and then you're good to go. Up to seven days coverage from excessive perspiration. Hyperhidrosis, which is what the medical term is, is a real problem. It's a medical condition. And it can be embarrassing, social stigma, all of that stuff. You don't want to be at work presenting to your boss with a lake under your arm. Sweat block is what you need to try. This is something that it, it seems too good to be true, but you might only have to use it once or twice a week to actually remove this problem from your life. So you can get it today, 20% off at sweatblock.com using the promo code LOCKEDON. It's also available at Amazon, also CVS, doctor created, doctor recommended, the dry shirt guarantee, sweatblock.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, also an elite athlete, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. 
and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. I'm just going to throw a blanket giggity across this whole ad read. Let's go. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers and me. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Therabody.com slash locked on. That's Therabody. Go there right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. Okay, who is next on our list? And it is the guy that was the number two overall pick in 2019, Ja Morant, who the discrepancy between his category league rank and his points league rank was enormous. 117th in category leagues, 58th in points leagues. He was unbelievably overrated in category leagues last year. People were drafting him at like pick 22, pick 23. Now, I had him too high uh, at the start of the season. I think I had him in the 40s or 50s maybe. That ended up being way too high. I do have some significant faith that Jar's going to be able to improve and, and easily get inside the top 100 this season. His usage at 27, true shooting at 54, but then there's your thing, the true shooting 54. People, There is a risk with Jar though, because of the hype around him, that he does get overdrafted because of what he did in the playoffs. I think the usage can go up. I think the true shooting is where we really have to focus though. His free throws, he was 77 as a rookie and he dropped way down last year. So there is scope for him to become a 77, 80, 82% free throw guy. And that changes. There's 30 ranking spots knocked off straight away. I don't expect Morant to be a high steals guy. Not banking on that. I hope his rebounds can improve because they were bad last year. And the other thing that always is going to hold him back at this point, a three-point vo- three volume. Tie that with efficiency and poor steals. That's why he's a poor fantasy guy. But I do think that we can get 50-spot improvement on that number really, really easily this year. So I do expect, although you know, hard to say that Ja Morant's a breakout player given the amount of Dutch rudders that he gets across media and social media and fan bases and casual fans and all that sort of stuff. He gets a lot of Danish backhands, like that's and that's fine. But I, and from a fantasy perspective, I, I think a real breakout's possible. I think a top 50 season is possible. I, I probably won't draft in there. Almost definitely won't draft in there. But that's going to depend on runs on point guards. If I need assists and shit, Jamarant sitting there and I'm at pick 54, I might do it. Just to get eight assists and 20 plus points. That's valuable in itself. And then if the free throws come along and then we get some steals maybe and we get more three-point confidence and three-point volume, then um, things can turn around. Really, really interesting to see where his ranking and ADP comes out, but I'm expecting a massive improvement from where he was last year. I don't know if it'll come true, but I'm expecting that. PJ Washington Jr. is on this list. I'm not sure that he is going to be a big breakout guy. It is his third season. Again, the number that sticks out there like dog's balls is the true shooting. For a center at under 55% is pretty bad. He was 79th in category leagues, 90th in points leagues. He played 31 minutes, but with Mason Plumley. And Kelly Oubre arriving, I'm not sure that there is scope for usage and minutes to really jump that high. I have him penciled in to be the starting power forward, but maybe they put Miles Bridges as a starting power forward and run PJ as a backup 4-5 off the bench. Hopefully they start Washington at the 5, but I don't think they will after trading for Plumlee. So while I look at this usage and minutes and go, well, it's third year, maybe this improves, I'm not convinced it does. The true shooting can really easily. like That, that, that should improve. But I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced that everything else does there. 
He needs to improve that efficiency. He hit, like he's a good three-point shooter, but the two-point volume for him or two-point shooting can be a real problem. And I do think there is, he's going to be a solid late round guy. I'm not sure there's as much upside in taking him with like a Garland or a Morant or even a Michael Porter who should see, even a Zion, who should see big, big spikes from numbers they did last season. I'm not sure that Washington is going to be that guy necessarily. He could be, but I'm not going to put money on that being the case. Pretty excited to see what this bloke can do, but he, he is another player and we need to be aware of this. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is his name as I wait for the graphic to populate on the screen. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a guy that, again, gets just absolutely rusty tromboned by people a lot because he's a guy who, you know, mumba mentality, takes shots, he's fearless. And a lot of the time, those don't go in, he doesn't pass, he doesn't defend, and they can be problems in terms of on-court play, but people love him. No Lonzo, no Eric Bledsoe. We did replace them with Devontae Graham. Josh Hart did return, and Thomas Sadoransky and Garrett Temple are there. But at this point, I would think that Nikhil Alexander-Walker is the favorite to be the starting shooting guard for the Pelicans, next to Devontae Graham. Josh Hart will play backup two minutes, play a lot of backup three minutes as well. They don't really have a backup three, and their rotation's low-key crowded. Let's say it is Graham and Alexander-Walker. There's Kyra Lewis. There's Josh Hart. There's Sadoransky. There's Garrett Temple. There's Trey Murphy. There's Najee Marshall. These are all guys who get back up one, two, and three minutes. Yeah, of course, you've got Ingram, Ingram Zion, and Valanciunas as the three, four, five. They probably won't run much backup center considering Jackson Hayes, who knows if he's going to play. Who knows what Billy Hernan Gomez is going to do. They, they might play just Zion a lot there. But their rotation's a little weird. But I still think that Alexander Walker will get the nod as the starting shooting guard. I think that Alexander Walker will get the nod to play 30 minutes a night, and he'll get lots of shots. I think his usage drops because he's going to play alongside Ingram and Alexander Walker uh, and uh, Williamson more. Although last year when they played together, he still had a high usage. Still a 26% usage guy. And he's a decent steals player. He's a horrible assist guy. He hits threes. He scores. Um, he could stand to improve his efficiency. True shooting 52 is rough. But heading into a third year, that could spike. That hits 57, 58 through an increase in field goal percentage and free throws. Then he really jumps up. And that 183 category rank, 188 points rank, and 22 minutes, they're all going to jump up. I feel pretty confident in saying there's going to be a spike there for Alexander Walker. And to me, he will be a pretty clear, uh, pretty clear draftable player. Let's go to the Washington Wizards. Daniel Gafford is actually the third-year player that I think is most likely to have a step forward this year. But again... Like Alexander Walker, I'm a little worried about how the minutes go. Now, Gafford was great at the end of last season. Scott Brooks was horrible in terms of managing that rotation and playing yeah, Alex Len and Robin Lopez over him, which was infuriating. But he played 15 minutes a night, and he was almost a top 200 player. 16 usage, not sure that changes too much. Points league, 247, better category than points league guy. And true shooting, 70. Now, Montrez Harrell is around. Thomas Bryant will come back from an ACL. So I don't know how um, Wes Unseld is going to run that rotation at center in Washington, and that's a little bit worrisome. But if Gafford, much like Rob Williams in yesterday's show, can play 21 minutes, then he does become a top 100 fantasy guy. And I would draft him over Harrell every day of the week, and I would draft him over Bryant every day of the week. Bryant is a guy that I've talked about many times in the past, that in the situation where he was, he had a great opportunity to put up fantasy numbers because... Yeah, they weren't caring and there was no one else to take the minutes and he was getting shots. But with other guys who can defend and be a useful player like Gafford, yeah, I'm not sure Bryant is a lock for a starting role. 
I'm not sure Gafford's a lock for it. He should be. I'm not sure that he is, but his blocks and field goal percentage and rebounding does translate pretty well to fantasy. And I think that's something we do need to um, you know, keep into consideration. But uh, the upside there could be could be a little bit squished for Dan just because of Harrell and because of um, Bryant. And that's not to mention playing Bertans or Hachimura at small ball center as well, which is a possibility considering the absolute glut of forwards that the Wizards do have. Let's talk about everyone's favorite player. You want to talk about Danish backhands? Let's talk about your cousin, Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Porter was placed into an interesting role last year. I think people would be surprised and they go, wait till he gets a full season. He played 32 minutes a night last year. So he was not starved for opportunities. He was only the 128th ranked player in category leagues. He's much better in points leagues. He had a sky high usage and a really below average uh, true shooting. 26 usage, 53 true shooting. Now he's consistently telling us he's a point guard. He's a point guard. That's fine. But John Wall does still exist. For as much as we want, he's not their future. I know that. Everybody knows that. But they will not pay $90 million to John Wall to not play for two years. I, I wouldn't have thought. They're not buying him out either. Maybe they're trading him. Opening night, I fully expect John Wall to be the starting point guard and to have the ball in his hands. Now, whether they start Wall, Porter, and Jalen Green together, I'm not sure. Do they bring Porter off the bench to be the backup one and the two? I'm not sure. I do expect Kevin Porter to take a step forward this year in terms of that overall category rank. But remember, he already was playing 32 minutes with 26 usage. Maybe that becomes 34 minutes. I don't know if it's going to become like 28 usage. His lack of steals, his lack of efficiency, his poor free throw shooting, they are all problems in terms of overall fantasy numbers. But I do expect him to easily be a top 100 guy this year. There will be some moments where he has stinkers and he has big games. This is just what he does. He's inconsistent. And finding that niche role, I guess, I guess not a guess, I guess with Wall, and with, and with Green and where he fits in that combination. Of course, the backcourt of the future at this point is Green and Porter. No one's debating that. But Eric Gordon, John Wall, they still exist. And they are still going to play minutes. And Daniel House is still going to play minutes. They're not just going to be you know, kicked out of the rotation entirely. And I don't think Wall is coming off the bench to play 15 minutes behind Kevin Porter. I don't think that's what they're going to do. In saying all that, I think there is still big steps forward for Kevin because I think his shooting can improve. I think some of his free throws can improve. I think he can work to get better numbers going defensively. There is, again, he is at risk of being overdrafted. And he, like Alexander Walker, like Ja Morant, I'm very, very intrigued to see where their ADP and rank data comes out. Because it's going to determine what we do with those guys in drafts a lot. If Kevin Porter's ADP comes out at 50, then I'll be saying thanks, but probably no thanks. If it comes out at 100, I'll be, yeah, absolutely. If it comes out at 80, then I'll be, probably. There is upside there in him at 80. Maybe it doesn't work, but there is, there is still some upside there, which I think is uh, it is vitally important to uh, be aware of. It's also vitally important to be aware of Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar has so many delicious flavors. There's something for everyone, whether you're a coconut man, a raspberry girl, a cookies and cream bloke, a German chocolate Sheila, whatever it is, Built Bar has you covered. And if you don't know what your favorite flavor is, get yourself a mixed box. Nine flavors, two of each, 18 bars in the box, and you get to determine what your favorite is and look out for those limited time flavors. I've also got a, a snap sale on at the moment, so check that out too. 70 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180, four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs. Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the US track and field team. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all of that action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball and all of your UFC MMA action. Hey, you can also bet your futures for the NBA. Before that next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device and use our promo code LOCKEDON to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. Let's go to New York, and let's look at Rowan Barrett Jr., a points league player, a shit category league player in general, in the past, um, heading into his third season. He had a 23 usage last year, a really subpar true shooting at under 54%. He played a lot of minutes. That's not going to go up, 35 minutes a night, and good in points leagues. What he obviously needs to do to take a step forward, Rowan Barrett, is be more efficient. He shot like over 40% from three, though, down the stretch. Still, for the season, had a 44% field goal with that 55 true shooting, or sorry, 54 true shooting. And he's not that great at free throws, although, again, that did improve as the season went on. He's a comically low steals player. He's not a high volume threes guy. And the worry I have here with Barrett for this season is while we can expect some improvement in efficiency numbers for him, we can expect some of that. Will that be offset by a lack or a reduction in usage because Kemba Walker and Ivan Fournier are replacing Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock, two really low usage players? I think that is a fear. I think that the 141 category rank for Barrett will improve and you'll get better than that. Does he become a top 100 guy? I'm not really certain about that. Points League's absolutely, he's going to gonna be a top 100 guy. I've got no worries about that. But yeah, I, I do think we can, and I know Knicks fans love him and they love talking about how, um, how disrespected he is, but there are pretty significant deficiencies in what Barrett's game is and he needs to improve those from a fantasy perspective to get uh, better. This next guy is a really tough one for me. Um, DeAndre Hunter of the Atlanta Hawks. Started out last season absolutely on fire. Did it by shooting, what, 13 percentage points better from free throw line. His three-point volume and usage and field goal percentage went absolutely bananas and through the roof. And then he hurt his knee and he missed most of the season. Then he came back and he looked like the same guy from his rookie season. So which one's real? They... 20-game sample size at the beginning of the year where he was doing shit where you go, this is not realistic. He's not this good. How did he become this good of a shooter? Or do you go, well, maybe that is real. And the knee injury is what hurt him at the end of the season. They're still going to be in a squeeze for minutes. Yeah, Reddish and Herder. These guys are coming off the bench. They're going to need playing time. Gallinari. Hunter will still play his minutes. But will he beat the 127 where he was last year? I think he can. But you have to put a lot of faith in what he did for the first 15 to 20 games of last season and expect that to become the norm. And I have some reservations. Again, a low, a very low steals and blocks guy, a very low assist guy, a low three-point volume guy. And, and I'm just not sure that we can expect that to do, or for him to do what he did last year. That, that 62 shooting was up at like 64, 63 before his knee injury. And it was down at 55, I think, as a rookie. Yeah, I think there is some risk with him, but... It is also a chance where he can explode and say, yeah, Reddish, forget about it. Herder, don't worry about it. Like, I'm the guy here. I'm the second guy to Trey Young. I don't think he is. I think that's Bogdan and Collins. But maybe it happens where he just becomes that good, doesn't miss shots, and does it for a prolonged period of time. I really like him as a late pick. But again, so much of that's going to come down to where does he end up? 
Where does he end up in terms of ADP and where can you end up snagging him in drafts? Let's look at the next bloke. Everyone has a hero. True. Zero people shouldn't have a hero. Tyler Hero. Hero's going to come off the bench, no doubt about that. He was the 132nd ranked player last year in fantasy. He was... um, I'm completely lost my mind there. He was 104th in um, points leagues, played 30 minutes, had a 22 usage with, again, a subpar 54 true shooting. I think bubble hero is not something that we expect or we think he's that good. He's not. And it looks like the reports are that the Heat are going to be giving primary backup point guard role duties to Gabe Vincent. So that does impact hero's value because Lowry and Robinson will start. Hero will back up Duncan, but if he's not going to get a lot of primary backup point guard minutes, then the value does decrease. He's still only 21, Tyler Hero. He, like DeAndre Hunter and like RJ Barrett, comically low defensive stats. But I think if they're not, if they're going to have you know, Kyle Lowry replacing Kendrick Nunn, Nunn not a passer, Lowry a good passer, um, Hero's ability to have the ball in his hands is going to be significantly decreased. So I'm not sure that he's going to be any sort of breakout guy. I know people love him. People think he's awesome. Maybe that soured a little bit after last season. Uh, I'm not expecting huge things from him. I am expecting a pretty interesting season from this bloke, though. The swimmer, Jordan Poole for the Golden State Warriors. Clay Thompson, from my understanding, will not be ready to begin the season. I don't think we even get Clay Thompson before December. Remember, he tore his Achilles in November last year, coming off a torn ACL. Some Achilles guys, they can come back in 10 months. Clay's missed two years of basketball, and uh, that was off a torn ACL as well. I don't think they're rushing him back. So maybe December, maybe January. Somebody needs to start with Clay out. Kelly Oubre's gone. It's going to be this bloke. It is going to be Jordan Poole. I don't think it's going to be John Kaminga. I don't think it's going to be Modi Muzi. When you look at Modi Muzi, Modi Muzi, Modi Modi Muzi, Modi Muzi, Modi Muzi. I think it's going to be Jordan Poole who starts. Poole was actually, after the G League bubble last year, very good. He was only 242nd in category leagues and played 9-10 minutes. High usage, high true shooting. I think he plays a large role. He'll be the sixth man on this team. He can easily get to 28 minutes and on. He probably won't, but he can easily get there. He can provide three threes a game. 15, 16 points. Now, again, comically low steals and blocks, but a good free throw guy gets to the line. This is, we want to talk third year breakout. Opportunity is there for Poole. Talent has taken massive steps forward from rookie year to end of rookie year to second year to end of second year. He has gone up, you know, seven stages in those four areas. And he can take, go forward again to become a player who plays 28 minutes a night, scores 17 points off the bench, gets four assists as your backup point guard, um, gets 86% from the line on four attempts. I think there is, to me, at this point, he is rounding out as a guy that I would love to select in the last round of a draft. Depends who else is around. Like I would probably, I think he's upside. Even if I project Tyler Hero to be a better per game player, I think Poole's upside and role value for him is higher. Because it's just there. Like there's that opportunity is there. And especially early in the season, take a flyer, Clay comes back, his minutes come down, maybe we drop him after that. But I do think that he is in a, a really interesting um, really interesting situation this season. Let's look to Philadelphia. The painter, Matisse Thibel. 
Big role on Australia's bronze medal winning team in the Olympics. Showed some offensive flash. He was 164th in category leagues and the discrepancy between category leagues and points leagues, it doesn't really get much higher than what it does for Matisse Thibel. Yeah, shithouse for points leagues, 298th, great for category leagues. If he gets 25 minutes a night, he becomes a must-draft category league guy. That usage is comically low, as is the true shooting at 51%. He shot like 40% or something from the line last year. He was 77% in his last year in college. I think that that can improve significantly. But the, the thing with Thibel that I'm a little bit worried with is he's going to get steals and blocks. There is no worries about that. That's going to have real value. There are a lot of people saying, oh, I think his offensive role is going to expand. Like, is it at the expense of who? Simmons is still there. Tyrese Maxey, he's going to get a bigger role. Danny Green, Seth Curry. None of those guys are losing minutes. Shake Milton's still in the mix so that Thibault can play 25 minutes and start getting 16 usage. It, I just don't see how that's going to happen. Like Doc Rivers will have to go, Matisse, you're terrible at offense. You're a terrible shooter. But let's just get the ball out of the hands of the guys that I know are good so that you can maybe show me that you can be below average. I'm just not sure that's going to happen. In his role, excellent. But I'm not sure you can expect big spikes from Matisse this season just because the, the opening's not there. Giggity. Giggity. And I'm not sure the talent's there for him to do that. Defensively, great. Two steals, one block. That's a real, real possibility. And that has value in itself if it's on the right team in fantasy. And for points leagues, it means jack shit. Let's go to Isaiah Roby in Oklahoma City. I expect Derek Favors will be the starting center, but he might not be. They might start Roby. Roby, I guess, was a real surprise to people last year. In fact, Sheev. A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. Played 23 minutes, 56 true shooting, to top 200 in category leagues and points leagues. Um, real chance that the minutes actually go up this year. I don't think he's going to be a draftable player, but he can be a top 150 guy. And if they give that nod that he's the starting center ahead of Derek Favors, then value does increase for Roby. 23 years old. He can hit some threes. He can get some steals. He can rebound. All right. I still need a little bit more from him defensive stat-wise. But there is there is a chance here for him with an opportunity uh, available. Speaking of opportunities available, Keldon Johnson. Remember Keldon Johnson, how much of a breakout he was at the start of last year? He only snuck inside the top 200 by a bee's dick last year. 198th ranked player. He's the guy that goes out there and gives you a big game, a 20 and 20 game, and then just struggles in so many areas. And part of the reason I didn't like Keldon coming out of Kentucky was a was just comically low steals, blocks, and assists. Like comically low. And it basically happened again. 0.6 deals, 0.3 blocks for a bloke playing. Yeah, well, actually, that wasn't, they weren't his numbers. I'm making that up. He played 29 minutes a game, low usage player, under 20%. Um, he averaged, what, sorry, no, I was right, sorry, 0.6 deals, 0.3 blocks, under two assists. Like, they're comically low. Bad free throws and below average field goals with 33% shooting that got worse from three as the season went on. He averaged just 12.8 points per game. Now, there is a gigantic hole on this team because DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, Paddy Mills are gone. They did bring in Bryn Forbes, who's going to get minutes, which is pretty disgusting. They brought in Doug McDermott. Thaddeus Young is there. Thaddeus. Thad. Thaddeus. And, and for those of you who don't know, I am deliberately mispronouncing his name. Thaddeus Young is there as well. He's going to get playing time. So it's not like DeRozan, Gay, and Mills haven't been replaced to a degree. Johnson's still going to start, and I think he's going to get more usage and more minutes. 
I'm not convinced that his defensive stats improve. I think his usage will go up, but he still doesn't have the most fantasy-friendly game out there. Going to be an interesting late-round pick. I get the feeling that he might turn into a Darius Baisley, where people go, he's a great late-round sleeper, and then he starts getting pushed higher and higher, and people start reaching into the 80s for him, and then uh, I'll have nothing to do with it. And even at last round, there might be some other guys around that I prefer just because the overall fantasy skill set for Calden isn't quite as appealing as what it, what it seems. Now, this next bloke, his fantasy skill set is appealing, and that is Brandon Clark, a rare player whose category rank and points rank ended up exactly the same, 136th. He only played 24 minutes, but he take, took some big steps back. Part of the reason he was good as a rookie is his true shooting was really high. It dropped to below average, 56%, low usage as well. He did improve on some of his defensive stats, but now he goes on to this Grizzlies team that's going to have Steven Adams and Jaren, a healthy Jaron Jackson Jr. Remember, Jaron Jackson wasn't healthy last year. The cashier, Xavier, Til- Xavier Tillman, has stepped up. There is opportunity to play Kyle Anderson at the four a little bit more. So while Clark... If he can bring back his college efficiency and college defensive stats, which we've never seen those both combine at the NBA level, he can jump forward. I am not particularly high on Brandon Clark's upside this year because I'm just not sure that he's going... Now, he did come into last year with an injury, and maybe that's an impact. I'm not convinced that he's even better than... He's not better than Jackson. I don't... Is he better than Adams? Maybe. I don't think so. Is he better than Tillman? I'm not convinced about that either. So I'm not sure that he's a great upside guy. We've already talked about one Wizards player who's a third-year breakout guy. I'm going to talk about a player who is a third-year player, at least. Not sure if he's a breakout, and that is Rui Hachimura. Josh, you just hate Rui Hachimura. I actually don't. I, I think he's absolutely a great bloke. I really love him as a bloke. I, you know, I think there's great stuff there. I also think that the way that he has been used and gifted minutes is not commensurate with his talent level. And for fantasy, he's just bad. He played 32 minutes a night last year, 193rd ranked category league guy, 146th in points leagues. And while we can say Westbrook's gone, so the usage will go up, and I 100% agree with that, that will happen. Um, I am not convinced that that means that Hachimura will be better this year. He's a low-volume three-point shooter, a low steals, an insanely low blocks guy, a low assist player, a a below-average free-throw and field goal player. Now, field goals and free-throws might go up, they also, Westbrook is gone, but we should get a healthy Davis Bertans. We're going to have three centers there. We're going to have Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Corwell Pope, Montrez Harrell, all jumping into the mix to take minutes as well. And Hachimura, to me, just doesn't do enough positive things for them to say, Rui, have your 24 usage, play 33 minutes. And even then, I'm not sure how good he'd be for fantasy. And that's, I think, a little bit of the worry there. So taking him in the last round, sure. I, I am not convinced there is any sort of top 100 upside in Rui Hachimura. And that's not because I hate the bloke. I just don't think that he's as good an NBA player as people think he is. And I don't think that the minutes or the usage is just going to be you know, pushed onto him when there are Kuzma, Harrell, Gafford, Bryant, um, KCP, Bertans, Avdia, their rookie Corey Kispert, who I don't think is going to be a rotation player this year. There's a lot of things there that make me go, maybe not. Let's talk about the Clippers. Terrence Mann. He was a 300th ranked player last year and worse in points leagues. He played 19 minutes with a 15% usage. Somebody has to start for Kawhi Leonard. I think I think Eric Bledsoe probably would be the favorite at this stage. But it could be Terrence Mann next to Reggie Jackson. 
regardless, those 19 minutes from man, I am fairly confident are going to um, are going to step up. That they're going to be, he's going to be better. Um, in that area, I, I, I think, I think that's, I think that has to, that has to happen. We're going to have to see his playing time increase. He has a high field goal percentage because he doesn't take threes. He's again a lack of defensive stats guy. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be a draftable guy, especially with Bledsoe arriving. But he is a guy that, when I look at the profile of what he does, the ascendancy for him in the playoffs, the opportunity that could be there, he is a real third-year breakout guy. In comparison to a Hachimura, for example, where we've seen him have these opportunities and the opportunities perhaps got less or fewer this offseason. Like, that's not really a breakout. Same with Brandon Clark. Whereas man, like he can go from 300 to 160 if really easily if he does become a starter or play 27 minutes and average 15 points and, and start generating some defensive numbers. I think that's a possibility for Terrence Mann. So there are a bunch of guys. Now, I didn't even mention Kobe White as a third-year player. I think his numbers are actually going to go down. He's going to play off the bench. He's injured. Taylor Horton Tucker, Nick Claxton. I'd love Nick Claxton to be a breakout, and I think he's a possibility, but I also worry that he just doesn't get enough playing time. Darius Baisley's a third-year player. Jackson Hayes, Naz Reed, Terrence Davis, Cam Reddish, Goga Badadze, the C part of Moses Brown, Max Struess, O'Shea Brissett. There's a lot of third-year players who are going to have impact. But I covered, what did I do there? Like nine, 18 guys, 20 guys, yeah, 20 guys there that I think uh, have some chance to, that are at least, at least important to talk about or um, have an, a breakout opportunity. I didn't talk about Trimra Kiki. I'm going to talk about him tomorrow's show because he is a, a guy that missed his entire rookie season. So we'll talk about Truma in tomorrow's show. But now, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app while on YouTube. Thumb me up. If you could do it twice, I'd appreciate two thumbs up. Ring the bell. Leave a comment. I know you can't give two thumbs up, but leave a comment. All that good stuff, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.